Welcome to the Attack Action Podcast, where we talk about friendship, fun times, and most importantly, flesh and blood. Here are your hosts, Taylor and Isaac. Hello, Attactioneers. Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, welcome to the Attack Action Podcast. You already know that from our intro, but I'm Taylor and he is Isaac. Uh, we are here on episode, I think it's 38 or 39. We've had so many now that we cannot keep track in our brain, which I could look it up really easy, but I'm not going to. So here we are, um, doing it old school style, how we started with a glass of wine at your house in person, hanging out in person. Yeah. We've uh, both been a little bit too busy to be able to coordinate this in person stuff. So yeah, it was great. We played two games of blitz, had a little team meeting with Colin and then cracked some wine. Hell yeah. So welcome to the party. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I hope you got your wine ready also. Um, on today's episode, we are going to be talking about the recent calling in Indianapolis, the effects that's going to have on the, Pro Tour and the meta moving forward and kind of just like the uh, state of the game as well. So buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> but uh, before we get to that, we're going to have um, some shout outs, I believe. Yep. My uh, first shout out goes to Michael Hamilton's cat mask. It was a delight. <laughs> Loved watching it in the finals. Uh it- <laughs> I just imagine sitting down uh, across from him and then, uh, you know, it just brighten your day, make you smile in such a serious competitive moment. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, everybody has to wear masks, COVID. Michael Hamilton's featured what looked like adorable kittens all upon it. So yeah. hilarious. <laughs> it was great. Um, so what is your shout out, Taylor? So my shout out, huge shout out i should also do sorry sidebar i should also do a basketball update for everybody so write that in oh yeah actually i met somebody at the last pro quest who was a uh a youth uh trainer and asked me how your team was doing and was just like psyched on the cross athletic flesh and blood whole podcast situation awesome so yep you're uh you are appreciated oh great so we'll talk about that after shout outs but a huge shout out to uh, my wife, Maria. So if you have not followed us on social medias, but you're listening to the podcast, what's wrong with you? B, if you haven't watched our reaction step, which is on YouTube, but you're listening to this, see what is wrong with you. But she has drawn, spent many hours uh, drawing us a new playmat. Um that is potion themed, I guess, inspired by Everfest. And so it's yeah, like item themed. Yeah. It's like it, a shop of items. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's the uh, alchemy shop and a lot of the Everfest items and potions are depicted in there as long along with um, some inside jokes from the podcast um, and that sort of thing. And it's uh extremely beautiful and awesome and that sort of thing. So what we're doing, shout out to Maria. Great job, Maria, my beautiful, talented, smart wife. Um, What we're doing is we're doing a pre-order for anybody 
who is a part of the Patreon. So if you are in our Patreon, you're on the Discord, you have access to the pre-order form, and you get to see the artwork. Um, and then so you can order as many or as few playmats as you want, but you must be a Patreon subscriber. And you have until April 4th at midnight to get in all your orders. So um, that's what we got going on, and that's my shout-out. Yeah, definitely. The This mat has been a huge hit across all of the internet. <laughs> I think I saw it on CNN the other day. <laughs> um, but uh, for those of you who don't know, so any, um, any patron will be able to order this at cost. The top-level patrons will get it for free. And um, thank you to everybody who supports us always. Uh, yeah. We hope you enjoy this mat. Totally. We love to see it out in the wild. And then once this is over, this is it. However many are out there in the wild is the most that there will be. So get them while they're, get them while they're hot. Maybe get a backup. Yeah, maybe save a case of them. For, you know, they're going to appreciate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And don't be the guy or gal or person who just like, top tier Patreon gets the play mat and then bounces after a month. I mean, you could do that, I suppose, but come on, you know? Yeah. You might get a negative shout out at some point. (laughs) I don't think we've ever done that. Nah, nah. We just talk bad about like Sabres Bolton and that's about it. (laughs) Um, Isaac, I think you have another shout out. Yeah. I just wanted to shout out Michael Kaywood and anybody else who performed well or won a pro quest this season on Lexi. You guys are doing great. Keep it up. Keep those bowstrings humming. Or, I don't, you know, whatever <laughs> whatever rangers say. Strung tautly? I don't know. Yeah, whatever you do as an archer. Yeah, increase the tension, overflex, release the tension, headshot. You know? Sick. <laughs> what a cool haiku you came up with. They, they have cards for every step in the, <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay. Basketball update. So nice. news section. Go news, ahead. News section. So, um, some context. So I coach high school basketball. If this is your first time here, uh, I actually coach at the high school me and Isaac attended, and where I uh, played many many hours. I definitely I was trying to do the math, but I think I have ten thousand hours of sports in the, our basketball gym now as a coach and a player easily um so so, so that makes you a master you know yeah, yeah that's what i was 10, trying hours to or just, more. Yeah. yeah i was just trying to that's subtly, what you're trying to validate subtly say <laughs> that. yeah um so we won our league uh in our final home game in overtime by one at the last second and that was the first time since 1993 that we had done that Um, And on top of that, we qualified as the first seed into the playoffs and then qualified also for state. Um, So we lost in the semifinals, I think, quarters. I think we lost in the semifinals of our sectional playoffs. Pretty unfortunate. But then we qualified for state and we probably played like I think our best game. Uh, we had to drive uh, three, four, four hours to go play this game against a private school, and we're like a little public school. Um, and we played a, an amazing game in an amazing atmosphere, and we're actually ahead for 
like 90% of the game, but could not overcome some like amazing last uh, second shooting by the other team. They're one of their senior guards who is very good. Um, was hitting extremely deep and very tough three-pointers with a hand like squarely in his face, like greatly, excellently defended. And we just didn't have enough time in the game to overcome that, you know. Um, but it was a, an amazing run. Uh, you know, it's this this team and, and the season we have is, uh, you know, easily top five in the school's history. Um, so really amazing. And especially since we, we did it during COVID. I mean, I had huge sections of the season where my best players weren't playing and we still managed to win games and keep ourselves in the running for that league title and stuff. So, uh, amazing group of young men and I'm very excited for next year for sure. So, yeah. Great run. Yeah. Yeah. Making your hometown proud. Totally. I mean, other than like, you know, being national champion at flesh and blood, uh, all basketball things are at, at our alma mater is like top of my like life goal list, you know, which is to, to win league, win section, you know, win our state tournament. All of those things are in the cards for us for the next couple of years, which is really exciting. So stay, stay tuned. tuned. Nice. <laughs> yeah. We'll, uh, we'll get back to it next year. Mm-hmm. We totally will. Um, okay, what's next, Isaac? You're the keeper. There's a couple the, other minor yeah. news points, um, you know, dwarfed by that uh, <laughs> announcement. But um, the second Pro Tour has been announced, and it will be held in France. Go nice. look up those those deets. So, so Isaac, Isaac, you actually spent a whole year in France in high school on foreign exchange. Are you going to the, the French, French Pro Tour? Uh, if I qualify. I actually would, it sounds like a lot of fun, you know? Yeah, yeah totally. Do we know where in France? Um, maybe. I oh, didn't okay. write that down. Okay, well, any city in France is probably better than New Jersey. <laughs> Sorry. Are you actually, are you baiting Fresh and Buds? No. Tommy Fresh. I am all about New Jersey right now because not only, it, it's March Madness happening. Right. And so there's this great Cinderella story of this actually really dope team, uh, St. Peter's from Jersey City. And they've made it to the sweet, sweet 16, third team ever in the history of the tournament. Nice. Oh, yeah. They had a big team. upset. Yeah, totally. Their coach makes less money than the first round opponent they had, Kentucky, than their first three assistant coaches. Makes less money than them. And they beat them. Nice. It was awesome. Yeah, totally. There's yeah, so big ups to Jersey City. Uh it would be really fun to go to a pro tour in France just because you could you could take like a 2 week vacation. You know what I mean? Cuz like flying to Orlando and staying in a I mean, I had a blast, right? Like playing flash, but you're like convention center, strip mall diners, sleep, rinse repeat, you know, so like uh going to this awesome event and experiencing all that while having a uh, like an interesting or fun vacation around that um, would be pretty fun totally agreed well we'll see <laughs> um i don't think ProQuest season for that has been announced yet no. exactly but we'll be uh you know updating you and playing in those so we'll see how that goes hell yeah um 
Last bit of news, Rules 2.0 is announced, and uh, it's a beast. But there are some good resources out there um, dissecting it for you. I think also straight from um, LSS. Yeah, so anything you were thinking wasn't live yet is now live. I forget what those tiny interactions are. Like you can block find center maybe or something like that. Or Yeah, with armor. Yeah. yeah. There's like, well, we, we won't get into all of it, but there's like a number of um, clarifications that actually matter for the game. You know, like if you're playing, you know, Prism or somebody who's been affected by these rules, uh, it probably will come up if you're playing in a high-level tournament. So it's important to familiarize yourself as dry and homeworky as that sounds. Or maybe as fun and awesome as that sounds. Totally. You don't know what kind of nerd they are. Yep, to to each their own. Totally. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Is that it for the news? It is. What's our next segment? I can't remember. Is it our main topic? It's listener mail. Oh, oh sweet. sweet. I'm just trying to have some this. banter. Oh, okay. Cool. I actually <laughs> was blanking, so way to have my back. Good assist. That's a basketball reference. You just threw it right back. Or, or hockey or, or soccer. soccer. Yeah. Does, Does football, football have assists? No. 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 The whole game is an assist, right? You assist in blocking some other guy from tackling your guy who can then throw the assist to the other guy. I feel like there's a lot of... Like you can use the word assist very liberally, you know, <laughs> like in general or in football. No, just in any sport, oh, you yeah. know. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. Pass me a cup of water. Yeah. Great assist. Yeah, or moral assist, you know, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But all right. Anyway, <laughs> all right. We have two listener mails. I reached out last minute. So thanks for getting back to us, you guys. All right, Taylor. Yes. First one. What's the plan for skirmish season? Sleeper heroes. And this is from Nathaniel Ferrante on Twitter. Yep. Okay. Uh, thanks, Nathaniel. Nate to his friends. I consider us friends, Nate. So, um, who are the sleeper heroes? Data doll. I mean, is Ko? I would say Ko is the best sleeper hero, and Data doll is just still bad, right? But better, bad but better. Who would? Uh, who's another sleeper hero? I don't Azalea? know. Azalea? I mean, Kasai was, but... Isn't anymore. Was still pretty good and now is good. Dash? Maybe Dash is a sleeper hero and Kale. Oh, yeah. Those would be my two sleeper heroes. That's what I'm going for. Um, no, actually, I don't know. I thought this, like, Oldheim Earthlore bounty situation I was going to go with... Um, but I might have over-tinkered and now it's bad. <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure, actually. That's my that's my answer. <laughs> but if you're looking for the sleeper hero, my pick is KO, for sure. Me too. All you need is like one hot day. I'm going to go out on a very fragile limb and probably regret my decision, but also KO, sleeper yeah. hero. Totally. I'm also going to say that, because I was talking about this earlier, just brainstorm. And I think that Ira might be out just because it was supremely efficient and uh, very explosive before, but now there's just more explosive heroes. Well, and I'm probably wrong about this, but you know. yeah, this is my pushback is Ira now has uh, access to hundred wins. So they have like a whole extra card that they can go like Kadachi, Kadachi, 
100 wins uh, flying kick. Yeah. Right? And that's still for the blue. Or 100 wins, 100 wins flying kick or something. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So So they they can can still, like, like, really blast you pretty good. Yeah, fair enough. I'm probably wrong about that. (laughs) Yeah. Or it's not flying kick. It's, uh, you know, whatever. Torn to tempo costs one. So you can kadachi, kadachi. Yeah. Um, So I think Iris still squarely there this i did not realize is that i for sure thought plunder run was banned in blitz and i was informed that it is not and i'm like why why not not, yeah this was big news to us for some reason it shows how much we've paid attention to blitz well we were just talking about how like briar was a uh a force and a nightmare in the blitz scene right so like why did the ban not extend to blitz but i don't know Riddle me this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, yeah, Chain could still be very good as well because they still have Plunder Run. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, uh, great question. Sleeper Hero Tech KO. Uh, Colin, the people's champion, is right now probably rolling the tables with KO. Yep, we're refining a hot list. Yeah, yeah totally. totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we are, actually. This is exciting. Yeah, totally. totally. I hope it works out. Here's, Here's the, the new tech. tech. <laughs> Ragamuffin's hat. Right. Yeah, figure that out. Figure, figure that, that out. Figure it out. What are we using it for? Okay, sweet. sweet. All right, next, next question. question. Now, uh, Victor Broker, I don't know how to say that. I'm sorry if I mispronounced it. Says, uh, who's going to be top dog when Starvo eventually rotates out? Prism benefits a bunch from having him in the meta. Seems difficult to square a Prism Runeblade meta without a third deck. Right, so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah so... so I mean, I think Prism is still like pretty good even without uh, Starvo. Uh, you know, it, it still beats Viserai. You know, it's a, just a bit more of a skilled match. It's not as perhaps uh, tilted in Prism's favor as it is in the Starvo match, which maybe it's not anymore. Hint, hint. Um <clears throat> But I think the next heroes, you know, we were talking about this briefly just to prepare. And uh, the next heroes that rise to the top, it seems like, are just like OG Bravo and probably Ice Lexi. Because Ice Lexi does, I mean, not great into Prism, but pretty good into uh, Viscerai. Um, And it kind of doesn't matter which Viscerai strategy you're on. It's still hard. And if y'all are sitting there going, what do you, what do these guys know? I just sit there and OTK Lexi and it's no problem. That's because you don't have to play against Isaac. <laughs> okay. You're playing against Schmo Jabro over at Armory who just picked up the deck and who does not play it like Isaac does. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. For the huge compliment. Well, it's so true. We get this a lot. I will, I will riff off that also. I feel like a lot of people pick it up and don't like it or lose and then give it up as not very good. And granted, Icelex is like pretty rough into Prism and has its very bad matchups, but um, definitely has its strengths as well. But it it uh, rewards um, having a few reps. It's not uh, It's not crazy hard, but it's not super easy to just pick up. Um, yeah, totally. But... Yeah, I'm going to say I I do like the Lexi pick into Viscerai. I'm going to say if Starvo rotates out, um, 
I do like Bravo coming back. I'm also going to say maybe old him as a place. There's just this weird rock, paper, scissors format still maybe where, well, maybe not old him because Viscerai is pretty good into that. It's just like, you know, Prism's good until too many aggro decks surface, right? right? But then too many control decks you know, like emerge to like control the aggro decks and then Prism comes back. So depending on how many events happen, I could see like something cyclic like that happening for sure. But I will say that um, even though maybe Prism and Starvo have been performing a bit better than Viserai lately, it's also potentially the most resilient deck because it does have a plan into everything. So maybe it's not as good at Starvo as what he does or as good at Prism as what she does. But um, it's just like fairly unique in that you have a game plan for, you know, whatever happens. I mean, maybe not be favored into all of those, but just being a very dynamic deck is a, you know, is a strength. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think too, if, if you just go by the numbers, it's like the next highest couple of heroes, right, are like Chain, Briar, and Katsu, you know, and those maybe like rise and take that spot. You know, maybe particularly chain because the the viscerai into chain matchup can be quite close, um, especially if you're like well versed in it. You know, um, so yeah. there's that as well. I do also like. I mean, if somebody can build a Lexi list and have their sideboard guide completely dialed, so that you can flex like ice or a nut, like density of hit effects and flex aggro enough to beat prism that'd be at a really really strong point totally. but um you know so far that doesn't exist right. but you know or maybe maybe that's impossible maybe they designed it really well you know but it just feels like if you could get there it could be really strong but yeah, yeah. Agreed. agreed anyway anyway great question yeah. it's good to think about that stuff we could probably do a whole pod about that breaking that down but we got uh, I was going to say bigger fish to fry, but we're not really frying anything. We're just predetermined things we have to get to. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah no. that's a less sexy way Enough of saying amusing. that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Main, main topic, topic of the pod? pod? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. okay main main topic, topic of the pod. pod. Okay. okay so, so this past weekend we had the calling in Indianapolis, which is in Indiana, a Midwestern state in the united states up there in the north ish hoosiers are from there which is this is uh calling in particular was very significant because it was the first competitive event that's happened in quite a long time except for new zealand and australian nationals that got delayed but they're also on the other side of the world um so a lot of very talented players who've had quite a long time um to prepare and even to test Everfest showed up at this. So it's a very good sample of what the where the game stands. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And right off the bat, I mean huge shout out to Star City Games for doing a really good stream. I mean, there were some like technical issues with cameras and blipping and and blurring and stuff, but the cards were very clear. The uh layout was really great. Um, there wasn't, it wasn't too dark. You could see what they were playing, et cetera. You know, the play area was great. Um, and the casting 
you know, pretty good. I think you could hire me and Isaac to do those gigs as well. You know, know? the casting was great, except when you consider that we were available. So yeah, totally dropped the the ball. ball. (laughs) Not going to lie. Um, so if there's one on this side of the Rockies and y'all don't invite us, you're missing out. I'm telling you, we're very very charming (laughs) and we're we're very good at at talking about this game. People do hundreds of hours. People do listen to us. (laughs) I do appreciate that, um, you know, Flake and the rest of the casters have made a pretty huge effort to get um, good at this game and to really understand it. So, um, you know, seeing that journey and, uh, you know, just, I don't know, priding yourself on your production and, you know, really making the effort to be very knowledgeable um, about what you're casting is, uh, you know, next, next level. level. Yeah, it's admirable. Yeah, it's yeah, like totally. we definitely appreciate that, you know, because it's like, again, I know uh, I know you're not paid for your hours of testing flake <laughs> and, and the rest of the casters. So, yeah. Uh, so good on you. Totally. No, yeah, they did a a really good job and uh yeah, it was great. And in the level of play too, even in the beginning rounds and other rounds of Swiss, you know, was really good. Yeah. I was like surprised actually that cuz it's like an open event, right? So you're just like, well, anybody could be here on camera all of a sudden and it could be bad. But no, it was like actually really good and I was surprised at how clean it was and stuff. Um, a, a, a note to the listeners though. So, um, one gentleman, uh, got disqualified and banned from the whole tournament for, uh, allegedly marking their cards. I'm not particularly sure on the exact particulars. Um, but it had something to do with deck got shuffled. Uh, cards were being drawn upside down but then he was crown of seedsing them right side up. Now, whether this was intentional or not um, is undetermined. undetermined. Right. Thank you for that word. But just to make sure that like at these events or in your practice habits, like make sure you're playing very cleanly, right? It doesn't take uh, too much of an extra step to make sure your cards are oriented the correct way in, uh, a synchronized fashion. Yeah, that's a uh, that's really good advice, Taylor. Yeah. Because it just flipping your pitch stack or crowning and flipping the cards under the correct direction or handing your deck to your opponent to shuffle and then putting it back the right way like doesn't take a lot of effort, but just in your casual games just do it, right? Because the unfortunate reality is that people will eventually somebody will try to cheat at this level. So they do have to enforce these rules, you know. They have very good reason to do it. So, um, yeah, good advice. Just put it in your casual, you know, kitchen table habit. Make sure your cards are all facing the right way. Mm-hmm. I was actually thinking um, sleeves that are not asymmetrical are pretty pretty clever to, you know, just check yourself. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that might be a good idea because I use, you know, just like blank sleeves. Right. right. I no, no artwork. Just I, I could have easily done that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. I could see myself doing that as well. Um, or like you're shuffling and a card happens to fall out and you put it back in and it's upside down or something. Yeah. Or, you know, 
Um, so yeah, just be careful for sure. Um, okay. Anything else? I guess I just, I derailed us here. So I have, uh, the statistics for the hero breakdown on day two of the calling. Should nice. we start there? Yep. Let's hear it. Okay. Okay. At, at the, the bottom, bottom, we have Bolton making up 1% of, of the field, followed by Kano also making up 1% of the field. Guess, Guess who, who else is making 1% of the field? Of the field? Leviah. Nope. nope. It, would it would be Briar. Briar is at 1%? 1%, 1% of Whoa. the players on day two. Uh, Guess who is at 4%? Um, hold on. Give me a second. Great, dead, dead air is perfect for an audio. Uh, old school Bravo. No, no, it would be, be Lexi at four percent. Four percent. Jeez. Now, now we're into the big hitters here. So eleven percent. We have Viscerai. Nope. Chain. <laughs> then at seventeen percent we have Viscerai. There you go. Twenty-five percent Prism. Yep. And then rounding out with almost half is 42% Bravo star of the show. Yep. So big three represented very heavily Bravo, almost doubling the amount of prisms, um, which then when we get into the top eight, some of these numbers are rather surprising on how it all yeah. shaked out. Yeah, especially that uh, first number you listed. <laughs> the 1% the of Sir Bolton. Oh, no, Briars. <laughs> yeah, second <totally>. number. <laughs> Third. Dude, yeah. You got to get better at these quizzes. Man, I'm just bad at numbers. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, what's our top eight breakdown look like? Okay, so in top eight, we get four Starvos, one Chain, one Briar, and two Prisms. Correct? I think I so. Think so. Yeah, there weren't any Viscerai. Nope. Which is a pretty big surprise given the uh, ProQuest season. Totally. I think, yeah, the, all of those things are very surprising that there are this amount of prisms. And, you know, it's because there's so many players too. You know what I mean? But like there's X amount of prisms, but we still have more Bravo represented. And that's probably just like a sampling uh, situation. But you would think you know, in a perfect world or, or not even in a perfect world, but like, well, Prism kind of beats Starvo. So then why don't we, excuse me, uh, have more Prisms in the top eight who have just risen to the top in day two beating Starvos, right? Because it's most likely that's who you're going to play based on the numbers, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's shifting a bit. Maybe enough Starvos have enough Prism tech. Yeah, that's potential. In that the prisms didn't shift enough yeah. in the time frame. It's like uh, pretty possible. It's also in a 430 person event or whatever it was. You have to have like a really good um, record to make top eight. So I would argue that prism maybe has some worse matchups than Starvo. So if a prism player picked up one loss on day two, they might not make top eight just to one of their bad matchups, even if they beat the Starvos. Right, right, right. Yeah. And there's like enough. Yeah, like maybe the Viscerize beat that prism number down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I was surprised by the Viscerai because just as an outsider, um, to me, there are strengths to each of the Rune Blades for sure. I'm not saying across the board, 
but I do think that Visrai is the slightly stronger one at the moment. So it did surprise me to see, um, you know, a chain and a briar. Yeah. Top eight. I, the, I, I think that has to do with the, that Visrai can beat itself, right? That the deck is pretty hard and, um, you know, at a, an event like this where the level of play is a little bit higher, those like inefficiencies you have kind of turn to turn can really start to add up. So, so yeah, like at least chain has card advantage maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Turn yeah. Or yeah it has a bit of a bit more variance that can like just kind of maybe win you a game. Viscerai has that too. Um, but it's a little bit sometimes harder to unlock, you know? in the right situation. So, um, yeah. So there's that, uh, pretty surprising that so many bravos made it to top eight and that one, we have one chain and one briar, the dark horses, which is weird to say yeah. about chain and briar. Right? I actually really enjoyed. So the quarterfinals match they, uh, showed had, um, Michael Hamilton on Starvo, um, against a chain player, uh, Cody and it got down to one to one or it got down to one health left. Right. Um, Michael was on a bit of like a fatigue tempo, but pretty much fatigue strategy. And, um, it was a very good game. Uh, very fun to watch Very long game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just watching the chain player, um, you know, try to manufacture that end game where he could push through enough damage and, um, you know, seeing Michael kind of switch from maybe a bit of tempo to being like, nah, I didn't draw it or there's no window here. So now I have to survive in these last few turns. It just made for a, a couple of really interesting last turns there. Um, but Michael Hamilton pulled it out. And to me, it's it's like unsurprising, despite maybe the prism matchup isn't you don't love it. Just star of the show. It, it's like. You know, it's just such a powerful deck and just there's it has so many things going for it that you can see just why it's strong across the board and can, you know, have such a strong showing in top eight. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, you know, it's like a pretty aptly named uh, deck. deck. Yeah, yeah, it's filling you know those I mean? boots for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Um <clears throat> Yeah, so in the top eight, I mean, so spoiler, Michael Hamilton wins the whole calling with Bravo, star of the show. Yeah. Um, and he played, I think, you know, I watched, uh, I think, all of his games that were on stream. Um, and he just played really <laughs> methodical. Yeah, he was on stream the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, he was just really great. I thought his play was super tight. It makes sense why he won the Orlando calling. Um, and it makes sense why he, he won this calling. I thought, uh, yeah, I was just really, really impressed with, you know, his lines of play and how he could continually, um, you know, make decisions fairly quickly. I mean, you're still untimed, but, you know, in terms of like some of the other players and that sort of thing. Yeah. He just played really, really well. Yeah, really tight. Like he was he's definitely considering everything he needed to on every turn, you know, and yeah. making the correct decisions. It didn't feel like 
it was just autopilot here or winging it here. You know, there's even a couple turns where he almost does something and he goes, no, nah, that, that's just like not it. Yeah. Yeah. You totally. know, and then he like pulls it back and then does the right play. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it was inspiring, right? I do not want to play Starville whatsoever. <laughs> but after watching Michael Hamilton play, I was like, well, maybe this deck's cool, you know? So, uh, yeah, it was great. And um, I mean, especially after like, so many matches and so many matches on camera and so many um you know highly competitive matches with a lot on the line um yeah. he did really yeah totally um and so he wound up playing Fino Black also dopest name in the tournament probably yeah yeah, yeah. took home that trophy yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, who was on Prism in the finals um and I think that was like a really interesting match to watch um, yeah, I enjoyed watching that match. It was, uh, it's quite good. Yeah, totally. I, I kind of, you know, because this is the first thing that's been streamed in a long time. I forgot how much fun it is to watch a game of flesh and blood. You know what I mean? Especially when you know the meta and you know the decks well enough to like understand the lines of play and how, when both players understand what the other deck can do, how they're playing around subtly, all of these like little things to gain an advantage. It's very fun. Yeah. There's just a bunch of, I mean, this game's so good because you like rarely see the same exact problem twice. Right. And there's just a bunch of like, um, Fino gets an unmovable kind of stuck in arsenal very early on. Maybe he's used to a little bit more aggressive, um, Starvo players, Maybe his testing partners play that, you know, whatever. But then a couple turns later, there's this there's this window where he could play it out to block uh, a yellow, maybe Autumn's Touch that has been Star of the Showed. But he has, a, I think he has an all yellow hand. So he could kind of sacrifice this turn and his next turn a bit to like just get this unmovable out and then have a bit of a lackluster turn. Yeah. Um, but I think he takes the damage and then chooses to have a more powerful turn, but the unmovable is still an arsenal. And it's just like those little decision points where I was like, not not the arsenaling it initially, but then the having the the value opportunity, but only having yellows. Right. Looking at that and being like, oh man, I actually, I'm like unsure. Because I thought he should have played it out, but you know, yeah. he'd really be hampering his momentum there. Yeah. Yeah, so that that brings me to kind of my overall take on that finals game. I thought it was um, just like kind of really interesting from the standpoint of that Michael's game plan and sideboard plan were, I think, uh, slightly unique maybe, and at least in the way he played it uh, into Prism uh, that... I felt like was not very typical or at least, you know, maybe because I'm not trying to break those two decks personally, I wasn't uh, super aware of the play patterns that Michael Hamilton had, but he had, you know, uh, lead the charges. I mean, he used time skippers like right away to make sure the board state, uh, you know, didn't get ahead of him when, when uh, Fino went, you know, aura aura had a double aura turn when they can really, when prism can get really ahead. Um, and it seemed that like Michael's lines of play were, uh, atypical in that Fino was having a hard time trying to like gauge how the matchup was going to go. Um, 
you know, especially in the early third of the game. In the mid game, I felt like Fino had finally picked up on it and was trying to vie for, uh, you know, kind of tempo or board state and that sort of thing, um, but just could never really get there because of, you know, kind of falling behind a little bit in the beginning of the game. Um, and then thusly, uh, Michael was able to close out the game, but it really, really just an interesting, cool game. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the Hong Kong finals, how that game wound up being really interesting, you know, kind of a similar vibe, maybe not as epic of a finish, but, uh, still really good. Yeah, yeah. It, it was really interesting in between the lead, the chargers, the blinks and the time skippers, Michael had a lot of tools and he seemed to just, it's like he had, he had the reps in, right? So he, yeah. he just knew how to play and it, it, it felt like it very well could have gone either way, right? But if the prison player doesn't blow him out, he has a solid game plan for it. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of the not kind of playing in fear of the blowout or being unsure, you know, when damage is more valuable than auras or whatever. He um you know, it just felt like he had all of his decisions, you know, very tight. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I had the same impression, right? Like you know, it seemed like Fino had a really good plan into Starvo, but didn't have a dialed plan into Michael's plan. Right. And Michael had a dialed plan into Fino's plan. Yeah. Right. And like you said, he did adapt and it, it was a good game. And there were a couple moments when you're like, whoa, this, you know, Prism could run away with it here. But, um, nope. Michael just always like, you know, I don't know if he drew fairly consistently, but he always like was able to rein it in or keep a lid on it a bit. Yeah, Yeah, totally. So uh, congratulations to all those players who made top eight, you know, know, incredible, incredible job. Um, I feel like Cody has top eighted another calling with chain. chain. I've seen him on camera before, or maybe he just did really well well at nationals with chain. I think he's part of the kind of hyperloops crew who are like chain acolytes. Yeah. Um, nice. Um, um, that brings up one more thing because I thought about this when watching. It's like the this like unmovable conundrum, right? Is because you it's like the most valuable tool. Oh, when, oh the defense, the defense reaction. reaction yeah. You're talking. Yeah. Okay, cool. No, not that the conundrum is unmovable. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I, <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were talking about. I can see why that's uh, confusing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, but it's just because it's like the most valuable tool against this really powerful deck, right? But it's so hard to slot unmovable into a deck that is not already a fatigue deck, right? Like right. Bravo can run it pretty seamlessly because he has a plan for it. But as soon as you slide unmovable into like, especially red unmovable into, you know, Prism or Viscerai or any of these decks, then you're just like, when you draw it, you're like hampering that turn and prioritizing arsenaling it. And then from then on, you're you know, sacrificing a blue, at least maybe a card from hand and a blue to then play it out. So you're hampering another turn and, you know, maybe trying to get something else in Arsenal. And it just really cripples a lot of points in the game. And the upside is huge, right? It allows you to survive a, you know, Starvoed fused Oakenold or something. But, you know, the downside is just like massive, or that's how I felt when playing Unmovable. It's just like, it's so bad. Unless yeah. it's absolutely necessary, you know. 
and just you know watching prisms play with it or watching anybody play with it it's like if you're not fatigued then that card uh it just like really it really hampers your game plan unfortunately yeah definitely and you know michael's also had like i think more autumn's touches than a lot of other starvos had so he could continually like uh activate bravo and then just come in with something you know that has has dominant you know know, sticky damage basically basically. yeah the yellow autumn's touches i think are becoming more popular yeah Yeah, so he can continually have that go again to deal some damage and then take care of an aura you know um which is pretty smart and uh just as good tech he just was really prepared and yeah i feel like we're just going in circles now about about all of this but uh exciting um you want to move on to kind of our kind of post analysis of ProQuest and indiana and the meta and the the upcoming pro tour and that sort of thing unless you have anything else you would like to add on to our oh thanks i actually have seven more point no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) a little uh joke at myself there um (laughs) no thanks but i am good um the the video stream of that tournament is still up yeah. so you can go check it out at star city games twitch account yep. i don't know how long sometimes those go away after a bit so if you're interested in watching them um go check it out um okay so we have a few topics here in our uh, grand overall discussion um where do you want to start you want to start with the big three y- your choice <laughs> whatever you, whatever you want, want well, baby the pro tour is coming up Right, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, frame it like this. Pro Tour is coming up very soon. You know, we have a couple battle hardens, but there's like nothing huge in between the Pro Tour and now. So, Blitz season. Blitz season. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, how do you see, I mean, do you think the meta is going to stay exactly the same? How do you see it developing? Do you have any like hot picks for the upcoming Pro Tour? I mean... I just don't really know. Like the meta has been solved for quite a long time, right? Like maybe week two. It was like, these are the top three decks. Yeah. People right? like, oh, you can actually just fill Starvo with max, you know, elemental cards. Yeah. Yeah. And you actually hit it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now it's just like the subtle tech between all of the decks, right? Um, maybe some fallout from the calling Indiana is that uh, we see less viscerai maybe. Uh, But maybe those same players just like are going to the pro tour and just get a little bit better at the deck. And then the deck is like a little bit more well represented at the top tables. Um, But really I think it's just, it's just like now stuff is going to maybe target Bravo even more. Right. And Bravo is going to have to adapt if they can. Um, I agree. Yeah. Because yeah, so. if after like, you know, watching these games, if, if Bravo can tech to be pretty good into prism, it kind of cuts Viscerai out. Right. right. Because then you're, you're kind of good into everything pretty much. Yeah. Or except for, you know, being targeted specifically. Um, I, I still, I still think, think Viscerai is pretty good. good. It's like very, it's like very oh, good yeah, into Starvo, yeah. you know? So, so yeah and into prism yeah yeah <laughs> agreed but i just mean if you know if somebody's on the fence or looks at this rise you know 
downsides or whatever. And then it's like, well, now maybe Starvo's tech is pretty good into Prism. I just think the Prisms have to adapt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, and I don't, I don't know what that looks like, but adapting their strategy to, you know, have, you know, it's a a fairly strong matchup or a decent matchup to, but turning it into a strong matchup, um, you know, contending with the new Starvo adaptations or tech or whatever. I think that's pretty, uh, pretty paramount if you're going to play Prism. Yeah, I think so. Um, and who knows, maybe there was somebody at that tournament who was like aware of the, like, you know, Starvo changes or something like that and had a game plan, but just like, couldn't make it through Swiss or something, you know? Yeah. That's a Um, good point. It's like, because unfortunately this is just one data point. Which is pretty tough, since some degree of you know your your path to the top eight is fairly random, and yeah. your draws on the day are you know I mean, as we can see with Michael Hamilton now winning two callings, uh, skill kind of wins out. But yeah. you know there's um, there's a bit of luck. yeah. If we had too. six callings to compare, yeah, <laughs> it yeah, would be totally. a lot more solid data. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, as as you know, in like a large event like that, there's many pathways through Swiss, um, which is tough, but yeah, so I don't, you know, the, the pro tour I've, it's going to be the same, which is kind of, I think a little bit of a bummer, maybe, you know, that we're just going to see, I mean, I guess you can frame it in like, can prison, can somebody dethrone Starvo? Yeah. Right. So everybody's like rooting against that deck. So that's kind of fun. Um, but I don't really, uh, see like a new dark horse arriving. Like is chain going to get even better? Like, you know, probably not. I think that deck is like pretty close to its, uh, limits already, you know, in terms of like what this meta is doing, you know? Yeah. I mean, I do hold, it's just like in theory, it seems like Viscera is the answer, right? right? But like you brought up, you know, they have clunky hands. Yeah. Or there's, you know, their game plans don't always win you the matchup or what, you know, it's like in practice, I know it's a lot more difficult than just saying that, but it just is like, you're just like, oh, you, you have an answer to all of these challenges. It, it seems like it. And I mean, it very well could win. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But totally. just the, I mean, we've seen the consistency of Starvo across this ProQuest season and now at this calling, right? Not that it's not challenged by Prism, but yeah, yeah, it's just I mean, been it's, yeah, it's, a it's for sure the deck. The deck. Yeah, it's the star, it's the star of the show. Yeah, you know, um, which kind of brings me to like maybe a point that's like a little bit later down the list, but uh, it just kind of the design or thought process that LSS has enacted over the last couple of metas. You know, after the last couple of releases, like, um, I mean, they did have to ban chain or not ban chain, but nerf him in a way, but were like, you know, kind of seemingly manufactured a villain for the Monarch competitive season, you know? Um, and then we have the rise of, of Briar also, right? Another, uh, boogie person from a new set and then we get you know the aptly named starvo or bravo star of the show you know to just like come in with this insane ability 
and, uh, you know, just instantly be the top deck, you know? Um, so how do you feel about that? That, that, you know, maybe a little bit of a tinfoil hat on, uh, that LSS is kind of manufacturing our metas rather than letting us figure them out. Yeah, that's a great question. And there's a, a really a whole lot to unpack there. Um, but yeah. And, um, it kind of like, to me, it seems like I would argue that Briar, the power level of Briar was a bit of a mistake, but the design of chain and Bravo seems like they were kind of trying to create a role. Like you, you, um, said a long time about a long time ago about chain that, you know, it, it's like maybe they wanted a bad guy for the set or a villain, right. Who's like powerful and then good guys. And, you know, it just creates this narrative. Right. right. Um, and I've never been involved in game development, so I'm just like, just flapping here. <laughs> so sorry to anybody that I offend or I'm not trying to make it sound easy or anything, but just to me, it seems like, creating a balanced game is like hard enough. Mm -hmm. And then if you are trying to create like a, a strong character who's not overpowered, but is, you know, a strong presence that seems like just making it even more difficult. Right. So if you try, if you want chain to be strong or if you want Bravo to be the star of the show right now, um, I think you're kind of just playing with fire a little bit too much. And they may have not set out with that in mind. You know, I could have just made this up right now. Maybe they were trying to make it completely balanced. But, um, you know, it just, if that is the case, it hasn't really been working out that well, right? And to me, people love role-playing their characters and love the flavor of all of these heroes. And, you know, to me, if they set out to make a, a you know, a, if a balanced meta was their goal, enough of a narrative would emerge anyway right was that a little bit too uh speculative no i think you're you're kind of spot on there like i would really like the meta to be more in the player's hands you know and to see what would really happen you know i think you had this point um earlier when we were prepping for the podcast that like you know pre-monarch you could play any hero and you still had like bad matchups but post monarch or monarch and post you just like can't play some heroes because it's too terrible yeah you know what i mean, you know what I Went mean. for good and bad matchups to playable and unplayable yeah. essentially yeah. even yeah. at a skirmish or armory level you know because if somebody's playing lightning briar you can't play yeah. azalea yeah. or you yeah know, totally whatever right um, which is like, you know, and this is going down the rabbit hole, maybe a bit too far for us, but the, uh, the hook of the game is these dynamic, cool heroes. And you should be able to a degree play and have fun with the hero that you like the most. Right. Still play the game. Right. Right. Even yeah, if it's. Yeah. Even if most matchups are really tough, you yeah. know, you yeah. still play, you can still have interactions and challenges and overcome some of them and win matches occasionally. Occasionally. Yeah. I, I'm not saying like 
you know, we need Kano and Azalea and Dash now to be like Reinar, you know, Leviah to be top eight contenders. That's like not what I'm saying, but you know, like when you sit down to play a game that it's an interactive game that either side of the table could win, you know, at some moments. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so, I mean, I think that's the most ideal situation. Now, whether that is actually viable in the model that LSS has set forth, I think uh, we're figuring that all out as we go, yeah. uh, which is totally fine, you know? Uh, and I think part of this, too, comes from, you know, these questions about the meta and what LSS is doing with set design and, and that sort of thing comes from the fact that the game is still, like, very new, you know, once we've been through this competitive, these competitive seasons for, you know, more than just like uh, two years or a year and a half or however long it's been, um, you know, we'll probably just be like a little bit more comfortable and understand the like rhythm of, you know, what's happening right. set to set and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah. And we do understand that there's kind of a hard counter to our point, right? That, you know, pre-Monarch was not the game that LSS designed, right? Like Welcome to Wraith was the like scaled back, dumbed down intro version to get us involved and hooked and teach you the nuance of the game. And then post-Monarch, as they kind of advertised, was the upgraded full version, you know, where your instant speed creepery, you know, creepers playing Plunder Run to pump Riftbind up to trigger the draw, you know, like all these like very cool, intricate plays, you know, and... To be honest, I really appreciate the the complex, you know, intricacies of playing the post monarch or uh, post monarch game, right? Like the game has got really interesting in terms of the lines you can take. So there's definitely a lot of positives, um, but yeah, it's like now, and you know, part, I guess part of that counter could be, like you said, once the game's a bit older enough of these heroes or classes will be upgraded and there'll be enough new classes and new characters that the field will be quite broad with, you know, existing counters to different things. And we'll have had the time to like kind of bring everybody up to the power level that they need to be to compete. Um, And, you know, we'll see what that looks like. Maybe they'll nail it. Maybe it'll be great, but we're just sitting at this. I think, and we're discussing this right now because this is on a lot of players' minds. Um, we don't always love to like speculate about, you know, the health of the game at every moment because people always have their, you know, critiques and their the yeah. things they they like and don't like and all that. But um, where it seems like we're kind of at this turning point or this threshold right now that everybody is a little bit nervous as to what it's going to look like in the future, you know, because of the you know, the advancement of the game and the power level of certain decks at the moment, you know. But um, a good friend of ours had the point that I think one thing we need in the game is, uh, like, we need to bring back more interaction, right? Because, you know, if if Starvo can just, like, back-to-back-to-back crippling old you or like viscerai can do 40 damage on turn two or you know whatever um that kind of power level exists right and i don't think it's just like going away from the game but more interaction than just having like 
like Ice Lexi exists, right? But bringing back more disruption or more interaction for the rest of the heroes or the rest of the decks to have a say or a counter into these powerful plays, I think would, uh, you know, be a huge benefit to the game. Yeah, and I can hear you at home too right now being like, we don't need counter spells and silver bullets and that sort of thing, you know, because that then just makes the game a game of that counter, the counter or whatever. And we're not saying that, you know. You know no, not at all. Yeah. It's yeah. just that there used to be quite a bit of interaction. And now if somebody draws too hot on one turn, they win a whole game of classic constructed. Yeah. You know, whereas before it's like you just lose or win tempo or whatever. Now it's just the power level is so great that it, um, a lot of games seem to be decided um, fairly quickly. Yeah. So just however they do it, interaction or introducing more interaction between the two sides um, would be really welcome in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, and it'll be, you know, part of this too, I think is there's a bit of fatigue, like prism rune blade guardian. Like that's just been the meta since Monarch, right? It feels like. (laughs) So, um, and this is the third set where we still have prism, a rune blade guardian, you know, kind of as the top decks. I mean, I, I guess you could say that like maybe Prism wasn't one of the best decks in the Monarch meta, but that's like, you know, people were still playing it all over the place. Um, so I think that bit of fatigue has something to do with it. You know, it'll be interesting to see this next draftable set coming out in the summer. Um, if that is something like a uh, mechanologist a ninja and a wizard and if those wind up being the three next best heroes if we feel similarly when that happens right uh will the fatigue of new set new heroes are the best my old heroes can't be played into this competitive season will that persist or will just the fact that um we are uh getting to see heroes that haven't been at the top tables finally there will that be enough yeah you know well the i don't know the dream is right is that you know these new heroes that you mentioned are brought up to the level and play with you know chain and viscerai and briar and prism and lexi and you know uh guardians i mean the past sets have shown that just the new heroes are better and people just play those and that's the new right you know but we have we have heroes that persist a bit like chain or like lexi right who are not top tier but do you know you can still like we're to our point before you can still play a game with them right yeah and have an interactive experience so yeah i was just saying that hopefully the next set will introduce these new heroes that coexist with all of these heroes and introduce new dynamics without just raising the, uh, the power level again, you know? Yeah, totally. And I think this is all, this is also like slightly opinion based. Like you could, I mean, I think you still can say that the game is still really healthy. The meta is really healthy. You have these three, maybe five decks that you can really play, you know, when you include those like kind of dark horse B tier heroes. Um, and that's like a pretty great place to play when you think about other games where there's like a deck. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a great point or a great reminder because from a competitive standpoint, the game is really healthy. Yeah. You know, we have three top tier decks 
and yeah. six, uh, you know, tier S and tier A decks. Yeah. You know, so from a competitive standpoint, that's great. Yeah, great. Totally. But there just is something off. Yeah. I think is the, how I'm going to wrap this up with that I'm having trouble putting my finger on, but you know, as of now, I'm just going to put it up to like, you know, similar meta fatigue, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Which is a fair complaint. Totally. Um, so now what? <laughs> Excellent segue co-host. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so we're just a bit down the rabbit hole there with our, our hats on and our, you know, totally. it's just, uh, it's the wine in the in person. <laughs> oh yeah. Staring at those baby blues. Doing this in person you know? is, uh, it's just great. Yeah, totally. If you didn't know Isaac has blue eyes. <laughs> but we, I mean, this is a game we like really love so much. So, you know, having a, a bit of a worry or some critiques or whatever, you know, we just want the game to be the best it can be. Um, so blast to play, still play all the time. <laughs> oh yeah. We're going to keep podcasting. We're going to keep playing. I mean, you know, really like, like we talked about in the reaction step, the fact that, uh, you know, blitz just feels like a really nice power right cleanser now. right now. Yeah. And there's like, like we said, some fringe heroes, um, to kind of deck build with and stuff. And, and you know itch that part of the game which is actually really nice at yeah. this point so good job you're nailing that LSS. part lss and great there's great always job. limited everest came out so we're having a bit of a break but limited just is so good in this game and it will always be back set after set to uh cleanse our palettes as you said i can't i cannot wait <laughs> for a new draftable set i just like really can't wait i'm like so excited for that like Everfest is cool, you know, the supplemental sets are cool. Um but there's just like draft and sealed is so fun and it's so cool. And it's a real skill you need. Well, you know. So. We're gonna go draft some Arcane Rising this weekend. And oh yeah. I have a box of uh Tails first that's uh sitting on the shelf waiting to be drafted too. Oh wow. Maybe I'll pull New Horizon out of there. <laughs> Uh, um, are we on to signature, we on to signature segments? segments? Sure. Um, do you have any thoughts? So oh, yeah. I guess a little pinch of news is there is a ban announcement coming up oh. soon. And, you know, everybody likes to speculate on the ban announcement. Would you like to say anything about that or just move straight to signature segments? Well, I don't really like foresee anything that needs to be dealt with. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm sure some people want Bravo to be nerfed <laughs> star of the show. Sorry, excuse me, but there's no card or real interaction that I think is above any other like powerful level. I mean, crown of seeds is like pretty nuts. Like that's a very good card, um, but gets kind of nerfed unless making they keep heroes making that heroes that can use it. But it just gets kind of nerfed by the, the corner it has to stay in. You know what I mean? Um, um, yeah, the balance to that card used to be that only old him can use it. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> yeah, totally. But if they make but another, another like, like, guardian... Uh, or is it an Earth? No, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's Earth. Earth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So if they make another Earth hero... Um, I forget that. And Briar just doesn't use it. Does 
No, it's just not. She doesn't have resource sinks on the other player's turn. Yeah. So. Wild. Well, now I'm like, Crown of Seeds, Briar is the way to go. Uh, probably not. Somebody's already thought of that. Um, <clears throat> but, so if they don't make another Earth Hero, like, it, it will stay um, fairly fair. Yeah. You know? So. That's Agreed. It. That's it. Like, any of your complaints about starvo or any other heroes are just like too broad right like star of the show has the biggest card pool access to all of the pulses and crap you know it's just like too many things it's not like a broken card so yeah um, i also don't foresee anything coming in the ban announcement yeah totally. yeah totally i mean maybe we get plunder run actually banned in blitz but who knows it's like partway through blitz season so <laughs> i don't know what they're gonna do there um so yeah we'll see what happens probably nothing which is good you know signatures uh yeah i uh didn't grab a pack <laughs> so i'll be right back well well this is what i, this was, is what gonna I was gonna I say i thought of this part way through, part way through <laughs> one, of your, one of your your long things is i have a bit of a tales of aria draft fatigue so I think it's fine for us to take an episode off. Okay, that's all right with me. As we figure this, this out live. So, so sorry, people, sorry people that you're missing, that out, you're missing out, on out on that. Well, next time. Next time. Yeah, you get a bit of a shorter listen today. Um, if you are upset, then tweet at us your own pick pass prey scenario, and we'll answer it on Twitter. Yeah. Ah, Sounds ah. good. Tweet something productive. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um. um do we have any other segments? We do. Board we do. Board game from the closet. From the closet. Yep. Give me that one. So here at the Attack Action Podcast, we love to play many board games. And um, Flesh and Blood is not the only game we partake in. We we both have stacked closets full of board games that we love most of them, right? Um, so here's one we would like to share with you. This may not be our favorite or the best board game in the world, but it's one that we really enjoy and we uh, hope you will enjoy at home as well. This episode's board game from the closet is Taylor's board game. Nice. You nice. Get you get at better at that every time. Every time. I feel like it gets like two seconds longer every time. Well, I had a glass of wine this time, so it's just like. <laughs> but it's better. But it's better every time. Every time. <laughs> like wine. Um, so my board game from the closet this time is Cytosis. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it is a worker placement game. That also has a set collection in it, and it is based on uh, DNA replication, right? Cytosis or cellular respiration or whatever, you know. Um, So you get little workers, and you got to, you know, match your uh, different pairs and and go through the process of, you know, with mRNA and RNA and and all of that. And then, like, you know, you you come out at the other end and... um, you're trying to like uh, get hands of cards to play stuff and collect things. And it's actually like surprisingly good at showing you those processes inside of a cell and having a game about it, uh, which is surprising that, you know, you can learn something beyond game mechanics and strategy, but you can also learn, um, something that you might learn in your high school biology class as well. As well. Yeah, and it makes it fun uh, learning it. 
Yeah, totally. Great colors. Um, it's really fun. So if you teach like high school science or, uh, you know, are looking for a slightly different take in theme on worker placement that doesn't have to do with the industrial, industrial revolution. revolution. Yeah, post-apocalyptic warscape. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, medieval farming. <laughs> Anything anybody does in Europe before the 1900s, you know, then this is a great one for you. <laughs> totally. The medieval farming uh, genre has been used. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. Totally. You know, sidebar, I was like thinking about getting a new board game the other day and was like, is there nothing exciting out there anymore? Like, come on, everybody. Anyway, sorry. Tweet at me if you are like, no, there are these really exciting things. Nice. Yes. Like, yes, we've backed the Kickstarter for sorcery. We're fine. We got it. We're we're on top of that, you know. Um Buzz market that a little bit for them. Um Yeah. Great board game, Cytosis. Let us know if you play it and enjoy it as well. Let us know if you have played any of our board games based on recommendation and have then been like, fuck yes. This game's great. I'm so glad they told me about this. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Please let us know. That would uh, make us pretty happy. Yeah. Because if not, we're just going to cut this segment out because we're running out of board games in our closet. Totally. And well, this flesh and blood game takes up all our time. So we have less board game exploration time. (laughs) Uh, uh, That's so true. Um, It's also nobody has been listening to our past episodes and has cataloged all of our board games. So we don't do any uh, doubles. Oh, right. Right. Nobody has. We haven't had a call. Uh, from anyone like okay i did it here's the spreadsheet i was gonna do that at one point and just go to the end of every every episode and just record it but now we have so many episodes and i'm kind of like backlogged on podcast homework so (laughs) i have also not done that yeah there's more more important things for sure um okay well is there anything else you would like to talk about before we sign off i do have a riddle me this that you have inspired (laughs) my riddle me this you're welcome everyone riddle me this Is a earth lore bounty, oh. right? I love parallel cards or however you want to, you know, like New Horizon or Skullbone Crosswrap or, you know, cards that um, compete in a slot and offer a different strategy. Earth lore bounty, yes, I know what it does. I know which cards, you know, benefit it, but, you know, show me some success with your earth lore bounty build, right? Like yeah. Taylor's been working on it, it's like a pretty cool interaction. It competes with the tunic crown thing at yeah. the moment, which yeah. is unfortunate, but, uh, or tectonic plating. Yeah. yeah. But, um, it's, you know, it's a cool card. It is cool. And, and the cold foil full art is so dope. Yeah. It's so cool. Okay. Well, thank you, Isaac, for being here. Um, you know, at my house you know, yeah. where I yeah. live. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, also Rocky, your cat is, uh, so cute sleeping on your yeah, He's right asleep, there. uh, cute sleeper. Yeah, just he's imagine, a sleep cuter, you know? Yeah. Just yeah. Just like imagine like a, a cat and it's sleeping. <laughs> you got it, you know? Um, okay. Well, let's, uh, let's get out of here. Thanks everybody for listening. And, uh, we hope to hear from you. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram 
at the Attack Action Podcast. On Twitter, we are at BattleBroTaylor and at BattleBroIsaac. Shoot us an email, the Attack Action Podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support us, like and subscribe, shop for singles using our affiliate link, or support our Patreon for as little as $4 per month.